the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the Daily Show Prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. I was on the Pierce Morgan, who was seen around the world. I know it because I watch it. (laughs) I wonder if he has the largest international audience of a podcast. I know Joe Rogan is gigantic, but I think it's in America. But worldwide, I I, I wonder if it's uh, Pierce, uh, Pierce Morgan. And I was on it with... This uh, guy, Cenk Uyghur, who is with the Young Turks. He's one of the Young Turks. I was once on their show, and all he did was yell. I had I had no familiarity with him, so I was taken aback by just being with someone who yelled. However, uh, knowing that, I was particularly calm on Pierce Morgan yesterday. And it, it was on the Middle East. He made a he made a point that I just I want to address at this moment because I know that a certain percentage of humanity, certain percentage of Americans really cares about truth. A very large percentage of people do not. They care about winning on behalf of their cause. It's a tragedy. It's the human tragedy because truth is everything. So he said, which I hear all the time from the anti-Israel crowd, oh, if you criticize Israel, you're called anti-Semitic. That's that's a 99% lie. The reason it's not a 100% lie is because I'm sure it has happened. I have absolutely no experience with that happening. And it was the one time that I actually uh, butt into his speaking. I normally don't and always allow my opponent uh, to uh, speak unhindered. But the lie is so blatant, I had to correct it, and a lot of people picked up on it. When he said, do you remember this? Because you watched it. When he said, oh, you you just criticize Israel, you're called anti-Semitic. And I said, that is a lie. You're not called anti-Semitic for criticizing Israel. You're called anti-Semitic for calling for Israel's destruction. It's a big difference. Is, is every American who criticizes something about America considered anti-American? No, only the left is, because they want to destroy America. Whether it's through open borders, or it's through uh, the uh, 
the ending of the what I call the American Trinity, e pluribus unum, liberty, and in God we trust. The left hates all three of the mottos of the United States of America. That's different. That's anti-American. The left is anti-American. Playing the black national anthem at the Super Bowl is anti-American. Because there's one national anthem for the nation. If there are two nations, that means you are for splitting up the nation. I, I don't know why that is not self-evident. So that that's just... It's, it's one of these things that are said along with so many others that are just not true. If you just criticize Israeli or called anti-Semitic, then every Israeli is anti-Semitic. <laughs> it's just the absurdity of the stuff that one has to hear. My my One of my sons does a podcast. It's, he's really good. And I'm only mentioning it. He called me up this morning to say how much he enjoyed my appearance on Pierce Morgan. And that's the point that he said was really, that that was so critical for people to hear. His podcast is called AP Unfiltered, by the way. AP for Aaron Prager. Unfiltered. And he's uh, he's good. Very proud of him. I'm a lucky man. I think think about that every day. The luck that is involved. People, uh, people will say. Often when I say that to people, they'll say, "No, no, no, no. You, you deserve it." And my answer to them is, "Yes, I, I think that might be true. I've tried to lead a good life and do good." But you know how many people deserve a good life and don't get one? So deserve doesn't negate luck. (laughs) What am I going to say? Life, indeed, life. Yes. The Wall Street Journal (laughs) has... I'm telling you, there have so many great pieces of the Wall Street Journal. No task force can save Harvard. <laughs> that was the title. Uh, I did not think I would live to see the day when every Ivy League institution was regarded with contempt by at least half of America. It Until... Very recently, until the last few months, until October 7th, actually. That's what did it. The reaction to October 7th on the part of uh, the student organizations, I don't know, 37 organizations, was it? Israel is completely responsible for the burning alive of its families. Well, that is a really, there's a sick sick body of uh, students at that institution. And the institution is not going to teach them otherwise. Yeah. This is a very... Did you read the piece by Dominic Green? Have you? Are you familiar with that name? Who is Dominic Green? 
It, it was really good. Harvard is the Boeing 737 Max of higher education. What a great opening. A great American brand is squandering the public's trust. Failures of quality control are damaging its market dominance. Like any corporation, Harvard is looking for new management and working to burnish its image. Unlike most corporations, Harvard has no idea what it is doing. Boeing still has engineers. Harvard has only professors. The guy writes well. When the wheels came off at Chrysler in 1978, the company brought in Lee Iacocca. Harvard has brought in Derek Penzler. So listen, to, so they have this commission to a uh, task force on anti-Semitism at Harvard. Mr. Penzler is a professor of Jewish history. So I, I need to tell you something about that. So many Jews are left liberal that even departments of Jewish studies produce often left-wing professors and, and with a real serious anti-Israel bent. About 15 years ago, I think it was that long, I, did, I went to UCLA and debated who, the man who was then head still of the... Ju- I'm sorry? I think he still is. He still is the head? David N. Myers. And the debate was, is there a moral distinction between the Israelis and the Palestinians? By the way, he just wrote a long piece. I know, I read his piece in, in the Los Angeles Times. Defending. Defending Penzler. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So the head of Jewish studies at UCLA is anti-Israel. Not critical of Israel, anti-Israel. And uh, it's so it's so fascinating because all the other studies departments celebrate their group. I'm not saying that they shouldn't that shouldn't be their task either, but that's what they do. Women's studies celebrate women, and uh, black studies celebrate blacks, and and Chicano studies celebrate Chicanos. LGBTQ studies celebrate LGBTQ people, and Judaic studies. Crap on Israel. <laughs> Not every single one, but it's, but it's it's very disheartening. Very disheartening. The left destroys everything it touches, and it has helped destroy much of Judaic studies. Uh, studies, much of Judaic study studies. We'll be back. Many investment advisors have been recommending cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. They claim it's the new gold. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. Why would you buy the new gold when you can buy real gold and silver, which have maintained value for thousands of years versus the highly volatile crypto market? When I purchase gold and silver, I do so from my friend, and I don't often say my friend in these ad copies, Nick Grovich, owner of AmFed Coin and Bullion. I like the fact that it's tangible. I can hold it and control how it's stored, unlike digital currency that's held in a digital wallet. I want to preserve my wealth, which is far from the case with Bitcoin spiraling drop in price. Nick's been in the precious metals industry for over 41 years, and he has established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. 
Call Nick and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion to take advantage of his honest advice and extensive expertise. 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com. AmericanFederal.com. There's a task force at Harvard I'm reading to you about in the Wall Street Journal. And apparently, like the head of Jewish studies, or once head of, I don't know if he still is, David N. Myers, an anti-Israel Judaic studies professor, an enormous fool, uh, one of the, what do they, what do they call them? Useful idiots. Yes, he's a useful idiot of the, uh, of the Palestinians. And so is the head of Judaic studies at Harvard. It is an amazing thing. It would be as if, it would be analogous, it's not identical, as if the head of black studies at some university uh, were uh, were a defender of apartheid. Uh, It's it's so bizarre. As a Jew, I got to tell you what's distressing, but the, the... the, the saving grace is that this is exceedingly rare among Orthodox Jews. Jews who believe that God gave the Torah are not stupid. There are Jews who don't, who are also not stupid. There are secular Jews who, whose values are intact. But as a group, it is, it is overwhelmingly the Orthodox. So who did they make the head of the commission at Harvard? the head of the Commission on Anti-Semitism, Derek Penzlar. Mr. Penzlar is a professor of Jewish history. He calls Israel a settler colonial state and compares the Jewish state's establishment to France's colonial takeover of Algeria. David Myers, who is as as anti-Israel as Penzlar, wrote wrote a column in the LA Times defending Penzlar which of course he would. Isn't that amazing? Israel is the same as French colonialism in Algeria. In August, he signed an academic petition called The Elephant in the Room. It endorsed the conspiracy theory that the Netanyahu government's proposals for judicial reform mask a plan to, quote, ethnically cleanse all territories under Israeli rule of their Palestinian population. That's what I said. These people, Penzlar and Myers, are useful idiots, just like the communists had useful idiots in the West, people who lead charming lives and then defend scum. That's what they do. These are professors of Judaic studies. It's really, it's really something. It's remarkable. It asserted that Israel imposes a regime of apartheid on Palestinians in the West Bank. I would like to know what... Uh, Penzlar at Harvard and Myers at UCLA, where they differ with Hamas's uh, rhetoric. I'm not saying they endorse Hamas's rape, torture, etc. But they're, the, the positions of Hamas, I'd like to know where they differ. And accuse, oh, this is beautiful, accuse the country of Jewish supremacism. So the Harvard appoints the head of the Task Force on Anti-Semitism, 
a guy who believes that there are Jewish supremacists, that Israel is a Jewish supremacist state. Just like here, you know, white supremacy. That's right. Jewish supremacism, my awakening to the Jewish question, is the name of a book by white supremacist David Duke. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? This is a brilliant piece. <laughs> if you go far enough left, you go far right without knowing it. Mr. Penslar leads Harvard's Center for Jewish Studies and has been named a co-chairman of the university's presidential task force on combating anti-Semitism. The latter appointment was an unforced error. Deborah Lipstadt, the U.S. Special Envoy for Monitoring and Combating Anti-Semitism, told the Journal on Wednesday. That's interesting. Deborah Lipstadt, she's liberal, not left. She said it was an unforced error. Oh, she, she acknowledges it's an error. Wonder what our man Dave Myers would say about, about uh, Deborah Lipstadt. The spontaneous campus celebrations after Hamas's massacre, rape, and kidnapping of Israelis on October 7th meant that Harvard could no longer ignore its problem with Jews and especially the Jewish state. Prodded by donors and shamed by the media of the university's then-president Claudine Gay, commissioned a committee. Then Ms. Gay told lawmakers that calling for the genocide of the Jews was sometimes acceptable at Harvard, depending on the context. The head of the advisory committee, Rabbi David Wolpe, resigned. He said Harvard was gripped by an ideology, quote, that works only along axes of oppression and places Jews as oppressors and therefore intrinsically evil. Bravo to Rabbi Wolpe. Well, anyway, that's, uh, I won't read you the rest of the piece. Is the piece up at DennisPrager.com? We should put it, let's put it up there. I'll end with his uh, final paragraph. I paid good money for my Harvard master's degree. My principal is dwindling by the day. My children aren't applying to Harvard or Yale. Don't send your kids and your checks. Do your homework. Invest in new institutions whose curricula give real value. If your alma mater has become the mother of all leftists, practice some tough love. Truth is the daughter of time, but investor preferences can hurry it along. As the Gandhi bumper sticker on the profession, professorial Subaru Forrester says, be the change you want to see in the world. Derek Green is a journal contributor and a fellow at the Royal Historical Society. We should have him on. I want to know this man. I'm Dennis Prager. See my column today on United Airlines. From New York Times bestselling author Eric Metaxas comes a riveting new film based on his book, Letter to the American Church, exploring the parallels between 1930s Nazi Germany, Mao and Stalin regimes, and the infiltration of cultural Marxism in America. The Christian Church's decision to stay out of politics undermines the very message of the gospel and its power to transform every sphere of human existence. Metaxas issues an urgent call. Stay silent and abandon its mission of proclaiming liberty or stand up to the forces of evil that have enslaved our culture. My friends, anything Eric Metaxas does is worth knowing about. 
Join Eric and several leading voices of today as they explain how America and her church are at the precipice of destruction and send a clarion call to wake up and take action. Don't miss this film premiering on February 8th on Epic Times TV. Visit lettertotheamericanchurch.com for more information. Letter to the American Church. This film is not yet rated. All right, everybody. Dennis Prager here. A, uh, an American hero. They used to say for a woman. They 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 used to say for a woman heroine. And uh, I don't know I don't know why that died. But in any event, Dr. Simone Gold is an emergency room physician. She's founder of America's Frontline Doctors. And she recently beat back an attempt by the state of California to take away her medical license. Yes, Dr. Simone Gold is in Florida. I'm in California. Dr. Gold is one of these human beings who fights. One of the mm, Diogenes type searches in my life is why do some people fight and most don't? And I'm not sure there's an answer to that question, but she does. So, first of all, congratulations. You defeated the California totalitarians, which is a very big deal, really big deal. So let's go to the beginning. Why did they want your license to practice medicine revoked? In December 2021, I received a letter from the California Medical Board saying they plan to threaten, potentially revoke my license based on my spreading misinformation. That is exactly what the letter said pertaining to COVID. Misinformation. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what was the misinformation you were spreading? Well, here's there's so many interesting points about this story. For one is it was incredibly vague what they said to me. They said, we're coming after you and defend yourself on misinformation. But they didn't actually list anything specific that I had ever said. Wait, that you're was kidding. Wait, 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 no. wait. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You get a letter from the California Medical Board. We want to revoke your license to practice medicine in California for misinformation. But we won't tell you what the misinformation is. That's exactly what happened. So they didn't use the word revoke, but they said like sanction or discipline Uh for misinformation. We then entered many months of asking them to give us examples of the misinformation. They they wouldn't say in the initial letter, they wouldn't say ever, actually, right up until the point of trial, they wouldn't say what the misinformation was. It's, it, I mean, that in and of this itself is, is shocking. Th- well, this is the classic example of what's called Kafkaesque. This is exactly what happens in Kafka's novel, right? Yeah. The guy is harassed and he has no idea why his life is being ruined. So I initially thought, well, surely they'll go back and look at some of my speeches and they'll see that my speeches really never said anything that has ever to this day in 2024 been shown to be inaccurate. I'm careful about what I say. It's always very accurate. It's it's backed by a lot of information and I hate to say science, but it's, it's very careful what I say. I don't say crazy things. Um, and at no point would they ever confirm or deny what I had said that was inaccurate. And uh, actually, that's one of the reasons I fought this is because it was so vague as, as what are they going to do the next doctor who won't fight? That was one of the reasons I fought was the vagueness. 
It's been going on two years, actually. Did they ever? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. And what there's a step before that. So what happened? Did you have a hearing? So December 2021, they sent me the letter that we're coming after you for misinformation. Defend yourself, but we won't say what it is. Then for months, we just like exchanged paperwork between the lawyers. Then I had my little stint in prison. And when I got out of prison, I did a a deposition with them, whereupon they spent the whole time talking about January 6th and about my new business, goldcare.com, which was very odd because they didn't spend any time talking about misinformation. So it was very peculiar. So we kept asking them, what exactly are you coming after me for? And they, they refused to say what they were coming after me for, but the official letter had said misinformation. So eventually they offered me um, a terrible a terrible bargain that essentially would lead to essentially like revocation of your license. And I said, no, thank you, we'll go to trial. And that's what we did in November of 23 is we went to trial. So for six months prior to November 23, we worked very hard. I had a team of lawyers. The case is all about free speech. Can doctors speak freely to the public? I want to emphasize to everyone, this wasn't even about speech I was having with patients. This was about speech I was doing in public. They had no examples of any patients who had been injured, which is why the California Medical Board exists. It's to protect patients. No examples of patients being injured. No examples of patient complaining about me. Simply a general uh, dis- dissatisfaction with what I was saying. All right. How, how, uh, stay on. How do people contact you? Go to goldcare.com to find out more about us. Okay. Back in a moment. Dr. Simone Gold is the head of goldcare.com and the founder of America's Frontline Doctors. The California, what is it called, Dr. Board of Medicine? What California is it called? Medical Board. Medical Board. In 2021, threatened her with sanctions for misinformation. They never actually noted what misinformation she was delivering. By the way, we can't let an elephant in the room go unnoted. You mentioned there was a little stint in prison, so... I think I think it's worth noting to our audience why why that happened. Right. I always joke it's it's crazy that I get to say that I spent time in prison, but I was present on January 6th. I was due to give a speech at the Capitol. This day went sideways. Um, my story is well documented and I ended up being arrested and I took a plea for single misdemeanor trespass and for that misdemeanor I was put in federal prison summer of 22. I went I spent 60 days in prison. And now I can add that to my resume. <laughs> That's true. Now that you mentioned it. Now, when was your hearing? Um, so we finally, I decided to go forward and go up in a, like a trial with an administrative law judge. It was in November, around November 10th or 15th, 2023. And it was a three-day trial in front of a judge who heard from the California Medical Board and then heard from us. And what was fascinating is the California Medical Board spoke only about January 6th. They really? Tried to show oh, oh, is that interesting? So wait a minute. Their letter was about misinformation, but their testimony was about January 6th. Correct. Which, which you know, first of all, we had to... 
we had done a lot of preparation because they would not be specific with us about if, you know, what they were saying, what they planned to say against me, right? So we were preparing for misinformation and free speech, et cetera. They focused entirely on January 6th. And in fact, they had no evidence other than the fact that I took a plea and and public video of the day. That was their totality of their evidence against me. There was no... Um, in. There was no implication that I had ever harmed a patient, that I'd ever done anything against the public interest, right? It was solely based on a misdemeanor trespass. So, of course, we pointed out the obvious fact that we had done with research, which is that the California Medical Board has never in its entire 147-year history gone after a physician for an unrelated misdemeanor. It's never happened in 147 years. And, in fact, the judge heard all that carefully and ends up writing in his report, his opinion, that this case, my case, was a very big departure. He didn't use the word very big. He said this was a departure for the California Medical Board to go after somebody for misdemeanor unrelated to the practice of medicine. Wow. Now, so your faith was in the hands of one man? Right. So... So people ask me sometimes why I do th- this kind of fighting. It's it's unpleasant, right? But if they go after a physician for either free speech, giving public remarks, which is what they said they were going after me for, or for a misdemeanor plea that is unrelated to the practice of medicine, meaning the California Medical Board has no regulatory authority over affairs that have nothing to do with patient care or or or, or you know or the health of, of California citizens, right? They're not the D.C. jury. They're not the D.C. judge. It's the California Medical Board. Their scope is limited by regulation. They exceeded their regulatory authority by coming after me for something about January 6th. And so that's why I took this case all the way, which is to say you can't infringe upon a doctor's free speech. That's unconstitutional. And you can't exceed your regulatory authority by going after events that are outside of your scope of authority. That's what they did. Was Fortunately, one of your, judge, was, forgive me, was one of your arguments or your lawyer's arguments, and you're a lawyer as well, but was one of your arguments, wait a minute, I am here because of the charge of misinformation, but they're not mentioning that at all. Yes. There, I, there, at one point I said, it's ironic that you've pull, pulled me in for misinformation and you have offered no evidence that anything I've ever said was inaccurate or misinformed. It's on the record. So I'm just curious because judges have been uh, ideologized as much as doctors and any other group. Did you have any idea that you would find a neutral judge? I I for sure thought I would not find a neutral judge in California, and I'm not sure. You know, when the when the case opened, it was a three day trial, and you know I'm not sure he was entirely neutral. That's the truth, but he did listen with an open mind to the evidence. And this was a case that had 100% of the evidence on one side and zero on the other. That's right. And I credit him <laughs> with not ignoring that. What, let's say he sided with them. What would have happened to you? Uh, we were not finished. We have already filed a federal lawsuit which protested the government coming after a doctor for free speech. 
that lawsuit is paused pending the results of this low more uh, state action so if what do you that mean had, pen, pending it wasn't that federal wasn't, judge said let's just wait and see what the state judge says about your license we brought that case preemptively wait i thought your license was no longer an issue because of the judge's ruling right prior you you asked what i would have done if we hadn't won oh before i see okay you oh that's what you're answering what you would state, what you would have done we would have continued to pursue yeah, a that federal I, get. I understand but let's say you were you were found guilty you would would they have revoked your license or put on sanctions they uh, so it's entirely up to the california medical board what to do so they can do a range of things they could do a a reprimand public where they just sort of embarrass you in public. They can put you on probation. They can revoke your license. They have a range of options. Goldcare.com. Is that correct? Yes. That's where you can find honest doctors. (laughs) I'm serious. I agree. That's why I'm laughing. Back in a moment. As you know, Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their life. So, He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza Sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You'll receive a set for as low as $29.98. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square, use the promo code Prager. There you'll find not only this offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and now even flannel sheets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302, use the promo code Prager. Go to MyPillow.com, make sure you use the promo code Prager. Hi, everybody. Police criminally charged a University of Texas doctoral student with deceiving the public by fundraising off an alleged brick attack. Do you know that I wrote a column a couple of years ago, so not that long ago, giving about a dozen examples, maybe more, of hoaxes of the left and of uh, black students generally. It's usually at a college, but not always. Like in the, what was the famous example in the Chicago? What was the actor's Jesse, name? Josie Smollett. Josie Smollett. Well, by the way, is he, is he back in good graces with Hollywood? Do you know? No? Good. So I, I noted that my assumption when I hear that there's a noose at a college or a swastika on a black kid's dorm room, my my immediate assumption is that it was done by the individual as a hoax. Clearly, there are cases where it is genuine evil. Oh, by the way, hoaxes are evil too. And uh, the left used that column as an example of racism on my part. Because they said he offers no proof that most of these instances are hoaxes. Yeah, but I gave 12 examples, and they give me no example of a genuine one. 
but truth is not a left-wing value. Okay. Police criminally charged University of Texas at Austin doctoral student with deceiving the public by fundraising. That's the ultimate chutzpah. Fundraising. <laughs> Off an alleged brick attack, Rhoda Osman, a Somali Muslim student at UT Austin. Boy, I tell you, it's very sad how you read about uh, Somalis uh, who who are angry at this country and what we've done for them. I mean, they're obviously wonderful Somalis. That's a, that's a given. But uh, it's really sad. A Somali Muslim student at UT Austin, quote, was recently charged with felony-level theft by deception. In September, a friend of Osman's started a GoFundMe called Help Rhoda Recover. After Osman was allegedly hit in the face with a brick. The fundraiser raised more than $40,000. Hmm. That's a thought. (laughs) I would like, I'm going to do an audio upgrade fundraiser. What do you think? An audio, I mean, for your Yeah, for my system, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm even thinking of a more expensive preamplifier. She's a doctoral student in in UT Austin's African and African Diaspora Studies Department. African Diaspora, that's fascinating. So Jews ha- Jews have the f- most famous diaspora, Jews outside of Israel. It's the Jewish diaspora. So are now all blacks outside of Africa considered to be in the diaspora? It's an interesting thought. Where her interests include black feminist theory and decolonial studies, according to her bio. I'm not guilty as a person who suffered from a head injury from blunt force trauma and went online five minutes later for my own safety. I'm not obligated to remember every single detail correctly, Osman told Fox. Emory University professor Diane Stewart put the blame on, quote, white Western understanding of patriarchy. That's, that's good. So she claimed that a black man hit her in the head with a brick. And a professor at Emory blames white Western understanding of patriarchy. You didn't get that. You did not predict that. She got you. I thought the living martyr would really uh, been would have been able to figure that one out. A this is, do you understand the, the level of absurdity that the left enters? So we have a black woman accusing a black man of hitting her head uh, in the head with a brick. She creates a fundraiser for a, an event which apparently did not occur, at least as she described it. And another professor blames white male patriarchy. That's it. Sean, the next time you screw up, I am blaming white patriarchy. 
Yeah, Rick agrees with me. That, that's what it is. Which black men adopted. You get that? Black men have adopted a white Western understanding of patriarchy. Black female success can, quote, sometimes make black men feel inadequate. Does white female success sometimes make white males feel inadequate? Or does this only happen to blacks? To which I guess she would say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yes it does, which proves my point. White Western understanding of male patriarchy. That has made men fear female success. It's an interesting subject unto itself. The, I, this idea that strong women intimidate men. I'm sure that at times it occurs. I'm sure that there are strong men who intimidate women. As a general rule, the strong intimidate the weak. But the notion that the average man is intimidated by a strong woman, uh, I think the, the issue is what exactly characterizes a strong woman. Strength is a beautiful thing. The, the, I've been speaking as a man, which I have been since birth. Very lucky, I've never questioned it. I will say, I, I don't find weak women to be appealing. I think that what the left thinks of as weak is if a woman is supportive of a man, that's weak. That's what I think they identify weak with. It'd be very interesting for me to know how many men, what percentage of men want weak women? I think it's a very small percentage. Anyway, uh, you could just list this, uh, on, and I do. I have an entire listing of hoaxes uh, in this regard. The Brownstone Institute had a great piece lauding one of my heroes, the head of medicine, no, the head of public medicine in, uh, in Sweden, Tegnell, the man I... I quoted all the time Sweden was my proof that lockdowns were vile The Dennis Prager Show Yes Let me go to a call here in Thousand Oaks, California Claus, hello Hey Dennis Uh, I just, so when you gave the news yesterday about you reducing your uh, weekday shows uh, from three to two hours. I was like, okay, what's going to happen to the Ultimate Issues Hour and whatever's on your mind hours? I, I really enjoy those hours. And uh, like, are you going to have a fill-in host uh, for the third hour? I mean, let's. I'm just confused. Yeah, you know, I want. I will answer you, but I want to. 
note something. How old are you? 31. So I'm going to tell you something and tell, obviously, all of my audience a very interesting sociological fact about my show. The youngest Mm -hmm. listeners I have are the male-female hour, the ultimate issues hour, the happiness hour, and the anything goes hour. Mm. Isn't that interesting? You're a you're a living you're a living example. It, it is, it is, and I think it's because they are, you know, they're not directly related to uh, everyday politics, everyday right. The um, news, the news. The that's it's right. A, that's it's a, a nice, yes. It's a nice break. And they're nice break that's right. From the and, world without being fully removed from the world. It's not like going you know, and watching or listening to sports or right. watching anime well or said. whatever. It's, well said. That's exactly right. So, yeah, so, and just want to let you know, just real quick, um, you have a uh, third-generation listener um, uh, through my daughter. Uh, she's uh, coming up on 11 months old. My uh-huh. mom started listening to you in the <laughs> 90s, and then I started listening to you back in uh, 2016. Uh-huh. And then whenever my daughter hears you over the speaker, she looks like in amazement of, oh, who's that? So, yeah, just want to let you know, you're, you're – um, That's awesome. You know, Three generations you of your family. That I, yeah. I love that. I'm very your values t- and teachings will uh, will carry on, yes. Mr. Prager. Well, thank you. That's that's really special. I'm very touched by your call, and I thank you. So, obviously, if there's no third hour, then the question is a valid one. What happens to the Ultimate Issues Hour? So, basically, there won't be an official Ultimate Issues Hour as much as there will be hours where I will touch uh, upon... Uh, some ultimate issue. Uh, by the way, to be honest, I talk about ultimate issues all the time. There's a, rarely an hour that goes by, unless it's one subject, wherein I don't address some ultimate issue that is the result of the particular issue that I'm I'm addressing. And uh, there will be other ways which I will uh, I will let, inform you of in in the course of time. But uh, the hours will be chock full now. With an extra six minutes of talk is is not little. And I I asked for that too because I'm very committed uh, to you. So I, I have I have forsaken that helpful break between hours. It's no longer existent. I will go straight within one minute. I will go into the next hour. And. Uh, talk. There is so much to talk about, and especially in the year 2024, unfortunately, as it happens. Talking about the Ultimate Issues Hour, I I will tell you what I am going to talk about next hour already to give you an idea of something that really struck me. Daily Mail reported that the mother of the Uvalde shooter, remember Uvalde, Texas? The shooter was Salvador Ramos. Says she believes her son is in heaven. Mm, so interesting. She Now, 
it's hard to imagine that there is a parent who would say, I think my son is in hell. But I will address that issue. And she sees no point in apologizing to the victim's families because it wouldn't bring their kids back. That's an interesting thing. God has forgiven him for what he did. Is that true? Yeah, we do that in the ultimate issues hour. Yeah, that's why I really one of the truly. If I had to list twenty really important points that I've tried to communicate to people, one of them is people who say they believe in God. It is a meaningless phrase in many cases. In fact, it's meaningless in all cases until we know what that means. Her God is not my God. He murdered all these young people, all these students, and he's in heaven. And God has forgiven him? How does she know that, first of all? How does she know that? All right, anyway, I don't want to give away next uh, the next hour. For those of you pro-Palestinian, please understand the, the moral crowd that you are supporting. The Palestinian Authority supports China's right to invade Taiwan from the Algeminer, a very, very important newspaper. The, uh, the head of the Palestinian Authority... Mahmoud Abbas expressed explicit support for mainland China's goal of occupying Taiwan. The Palestinian presidency underlined the significance of preserving China's territorial integrity, including the status of Taiwan, and voiced its firm support for China's right to defend its sovereignty and territorial integrity, endorsing the reunification of the entire land of China which includes Taiwan. It's the, the uh, Palestinian official news agency, January 13th, two weeks ago. Hey, everybody, the Ultimate Issues Hour. I'm Dennis Prager. It's quite a story here. Remember the Uvalde shooter, murderer, mass murderer? The uh, young man who uh, murdered, what was the total, what was the total that he murdered? Was that uh, 20-something people? He uh, murdered, let's see, I want to get it for you here. 19 elementary school children and two teachers. So he murdered 21 people. 19 kids. I mean, the teachers, obviously, is also tragic. But we all acknowledge there's something particularly heinous about murdering children. Or it's particularly tragic about the death of a child. They didn't have a chance to experience life, and the parents are devastated. 
So here's the story. It's about the mother. She had an exclusive interview with the Daily Mail. Uvalde gunman Salvador Ramos is now in heaven after God forgave him for his murderous rampage that killed 19 elementary school children and two teachers. His deeply religious mother is convinced. And Adriana Reyes said she feels no need to apologize to the families of the dead. What will it accomplish? It is not going to bring back their kids, and it won't change their minds on what they think of me or my son. Reyes, 42, explained in an exclusive interview with the Daily Mail. She was talking as she visited her son's grave at a cemetery outside San Antonio, 75 miles from the site of the shooting. My son's spirit is in heaven. I believe God has forgiven him for what he did, she said, adding, the only people who are in hell are the ones who betray Jesus. So there are two interesting elements here. One is her belief that her son is in heaven. Do you believe that? And you know I won't give you a hard time. I'll just try to clarify our differences. I believe he is in hell. Although, obviously, it's God's judgment. God God knows us better than we do, so... I obviously leave that to God, but my understanding is such levels of evil are punished. If God is loving, then he has to punish. It is not possible that everybody goes to heaven. If if God is good, if God is not good, everybody goes to heaven or everybody goes to hell. In other words, everybody has the same fate if God is not good. But I think God is good. I think God is just. So that's my my take on that matter. So she the, the other point that I want to discuss with you, aside from where is her son, you can call in now, 1-8-Prager-776-877-243-776. Aside from that question... is her comment, I believe God has forgiven him for what he did, adding, the only people who are in hell are the ones who betray Jesus. So, is murdering 21 people, 19 of them children, is is that a betrayal of Jesus? I would ask this woman. Now, obviously... She's not going to want to believe that her son is in hell, so maybe I wouldn't ask her because it's it, it's pointless. But I would ask someone who shared that sentiment. Only people who betray Jesus are in hell. What does to betray Jesus mean? I, and I mean that quite sincerely. I don't know what she means by that. But it would seem to me, especially if you consider yourself Christian, which she at least considers herself, and perhaps her son, I don't know. 
I assume that murdering uh, people, especially utterly innocent people, well, that's what murder is generally. Well, you could murder bad people. The word murder could still be applicable. Uh, If that's not a betrayal of Jesus, then my understanding of Christian doctrine is quite poor. I have to believe that that's the ultimate betrayal to commit such horrific acts. So what, maybe, obviously I would be very curious to know from Christians, what does betrayal of Jesus mean? And what, or or even, I guess, more directly, what do you think it means to this woman? So I'm going to read to you something else. That should enlighten you. This is uh, not from a religious source. This is actually from a secular source, Reason Magazine, reporting on a study done by University of Oregon psychologist and a University of Kansas statistician. They wrote a paper, Divergent Effects of belief in heaven and hell on national crime rates. That great? Finally, a useful study. And guess what? That uh, societies where they believed in hell, people acted better. (laughs) Of course. You know my old view. Studies either confirm what common sense suggests or they're wrong. The pattern of results is consistent with theories highlighting the effectiveness of supernatural punishment, specifically at regulating moral behavior and, as a result, group cooperation. These theories argue that human punishment is a highly effective deterrent to antisocial behavior within groups, but one that faces inevitable limitations of scale. Human monitors cannot see all transgressions. Human judges cannot adjudicate with perfect perfect precision. And human punishers are neither able to apprehend every transgressor nor escape the potential dangers of retribution. Divine punishment, on the other hand, has emerged as a cultural tool to overcome a number of those limitations. Unlike humans... Divine punishers can be omniscient, omnipotent, infallible, and untouchable, and therefore able to effectively deter transgressors who may, for whatever reason, be undeterred by earthly policing systems. Wow. Yep. Belief in hell produces less crime than belief in in heaven alone. That's good. These findings coalesce with theoretical and empirical work suggesting that beliefs in punishing and omniscient supernatural agents spread across historical societies primarily because of their ability to foster cooperation and suppress antisocial behavior among anonymous strangers. Okay. 
if believers are primarily motivated to moral behavior by fear of damnation, it's no wonder that they don't much like or trust atheists. <laughs> That's the last. <laughs> That's a good point. If you if you don't believe that you will be punished for any bad you do, we're less likely to trust you. That makes perfect sense. Right? What drivers will you trust more to drive safely? Those who believe they will never get caught by the police or those who believe they might get caught by the police? Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. 1-8 Prager 776. So the mother of the mass murderer who murdered 19 children and two teachers in Uvalde, Texas, told the Daily Mail her son is in heaven. There's no reason for her to apologize to the parents of the murdered children because it won't do any good anyway. It's not going to bring their children back. And anyway, the only people who go to hell are people who betray Jesus. Okay, so I'll let you know what I thought about that. And... Let us go to your calls. Oceanside, California, and Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Dennis. Hi. Um, I think that that is looking at it, when you're looking at it from your perspective, where you said that somebody like that would have to be in hell, otherwise God isn't good and he has to punish or he's not good. Um, I think that's looking at it from a human perspective, instead of God's. I mean, God's ways are not our ways. And I believe God's ultimate goal is to have as many of us saved as possible. And his ways, we may not understand, and they're not easy for us to see or go through at times. But um, we don't know what came out of that in terms of how many people were saved. Same as even with something like the Holocaust. It was horrific, but we don't know how many people were saved as a result of that and how many people it touched. Um, So we just, our ways are very limited. So who goes to hell in your view? Does anyone? Yeah, anybody. I am a Christian, so I do believe anybody who does not accept Jesus as their Savior does go to hell. Of course, I don't. You know, I think Jews are a separate category, um, and I don't think God tells us everything in the Bible, so I don't think I know everything regarding that. Um, 
I think God tells us what he needs to tell us in the Bible in order to save us. Right. So behavior will not behavior alone will not determine if you go to hell. There's there's no amount of evil that would automatically put you in hell in your view. And and you know I'm not giving you a hard time. I really want to no. just understand your theology. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and it's it's not that that that's something. If I set up the world, I wouldn't. If I was God, <laughs> I wouldn't have set it up that way. But I'm not God. And how do you God know God didn't us. set it up that way? Well, because He tells us. Where He tells us that He tells well, you that no matter how much bad you do, you don't go to hell if you believe in Jesus. Right. Where does He say that? Well, I'm not a pastor. I'd have to get the exact scriptural reference, but he does say it. No sin is great. You can't out-sin the grace and mercy of, of God and his love through Jesus. That is all throughout the New Testament, but I, I can't quote exact scripture for you. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, faith without works is dead, which is in the New Testament. What does that mean to you? Um. It's funny, I just actually was studying that yesterday, and that's something that is very um, confusing and stumbles a lot of people. Um, I don't believe we have to have works to prove our faith. I believe that things that we do— How do you prove your faith? By listening to God and doing how do you, what? How do you prove? Are you married? Yes, I am. How do you prove to your husband that, that you love him? Um, by telling him and showing him. By things I do. Things I do and say. Why wouldn't that apply to religion? That the way well, we, the, the only way we know what you believe is how, by how you behave. Because God can see our heart, and part of the human condition is, you know, we don't do the things. Well, wait. We so God, wait, 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 wait. I don't understand that part either. So God sees our heart, and right. and therefore what? Well, therefore, He knows that the things that our intentions are not always reflected in what we do. For example, I would love to lose ten pounds, but that means I would have to give up wine and pizza and chocolate. <laughs> so. Um, right. So how how is that related to my questions? Well, because that's probably not going to happen. My intention, I want to lose the 10 pounds. Right. So, so okay, but it doesn't count. Your intention doesn't count, obviously. Well, it doesn't count to people. Why does it count to God? Because your heart reveals who you are, not always your behavior. Well, you added the word always. <laughs> It, it's I true. think it usually <laughs> does. Anyway, you're a delight. I've got to let you go. I thank you for calling. I think that uh, the uh, faith without works is dead is one of the most important lines in either testament, old or new. Okay, let's uh, let's take. Uh, Lincoln, California. I don't even know where that is. Elizabeth, hello. 
Yuma there. Um, yes, Lincoln is northeast of Sacramento. Okay, now I know where you yeah. are. I, yeah. I, I always, you know, my favorite answer to that question, right, when I ask someone, where is your city? And they go, mm-hmm. oh, we're 12 miles from Manukaville. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I realize it was not a helpful yes. question. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, so I am a Christian, and um, I, not to disparage the previous caller, but I highly disagree with her. Um, I believe that we are not saved by our own merit and works alone. It is but by the grace of God. But, yes, faith without works is dead. And Jesus is quoted as saying, go and sin no more. And Paul, <laughs> you just read... I believe so many people who claim to be Christians this day and age are not actually reading the scriptures for themselves. They're hearing a lot of offshoot opinions and offshoot theologies that actually diverge from the Bible. And people like to hear. So give us a a Pauline quote when we come back. I'm I'm most interested. So I have been reading to you the statement of the mother of the Uvalde shooter who murdered 21 people, 19 elementary school students. My son is in heaven. She's a a devout Christian. He's in heaven. The only people who go to hell are those who betray Jesus. I'm not quite certain what that means. I would have asked her what what she meant. And we're talking about this. My belief that if God is good, there's a hell. It sounds, to those who went to college, it sounds odd. Because you don't learn to think clearly in college. But if the bad are not punished... That means the good are not rewarded. How do you reward the good but not punish the bad? If the if they have similar fates, then I don't know how God could be deemed as good. Uh, back to Elizabeth in Lincoln, California, just north of Sacramento. I forgot if it's northeast or northwest. <laughs> northeast. Northeast. <laughs> So, yes, go ahead. So you were Uh, telling me, oh, yes, so I was citing one of my favorite lines in either testament, faith without works is dead, from James Mm -hmm. in the New Testament, and you said Mm -hmm. that Paul had had a similar view. Is that correct? Did I read you correctly? Oh, yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Many, many verses. I would take up your whole show. (laughs) Well, just take up a couple of seconds. Well, give me an example. Which letter? All right, in Romans chapter 3, he he starts with, in verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. I'm just quickly saying. And then he jumps to, in Romans 3.31, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And also in... um, Romans 1, 5, through God, whom we've received grace and apostleship, 
to bring about the obedience of faith. So he's, and, and then I can go on. I feel like I don't want to say yeah, more. Yeah, no, 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 that's fair, and I thank you. The For me, as an outsider, so to speak, sympathetic outsider, obviously, I think Paul is it difficult for, is a difficult read for me because on the one hand he you know he says the con- continuation of the law but on the other he says it doesn't continue you know any certainly the law with regard to any rituals whereas Jesus said I you know from the beginning I have not come to change a jot or a tittle of the law I think Jesus meant that I, th- I don't think Paul did, but of course, to posit a difference between Paul and Jesus is is almost sounds heretical, and I fully I fully appreciate that fact. Okay, let's see here. Sun City, Arizona, John. Hello. Hello, Dennis. First time caller, or first time getting to you? Wow. Um, so, Jesus was born, raised, and schooled in Judaism, correct? Correct. He was a Jew. So he knew Mosaic law. He knew the covenant that God made with Moses, uh, i.e. the Ten Commandments. So Christians, and I'm born and raised Catholic, I still attend Catholic services, uh, but identify as a Christian. So the woman that called previously... Uh, made kind of a, I thought, a trite comment about Jews being another issue. Um, An oversimplification. Um, The woman, and this this started with the woman whose son killed 19, I believe. Yeah, 19 kids and two teachers. Okay, so that, commit one murder, thou shalt not kill. It's a violation of Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments, which still exist despite, in spite of someone's belief that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. Right. Hold on. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.